Good morning. I didn't even know it was a new quarter. That's exciting. Uh, we have means new discipleship classes. We have college classes, high school classes, middle school classes. We've got K, I mean fifth grade all the way down to kindergarten classes. Hope you check all those out. We've got a number of adult classes. You've had several people unashamedly promoting their classes up here for the adults. You know. uh, so there's a biblical worldview class, there's a history class, and then there's the best and the finest uh, revelation class. Okay, So hopefully you'll uh, check those out. And, um, and if you want to come to the best class, the revelation class, this morning we're, uh, we're doing the seven churches in Revelation, chapter 2 and 3, and then we're going to keep moving on and going through the whole book, but we're there this morning, we're on the uh, church of Thyatira, and uh, great, uh, great application for us, and hopefully you'll join us for one of those classes. This morning, our study here is uh, verse by verse through the book of Philippians, and we come now to the end of Philippians chapter 2, so open your Bible to that portion of God's Word, Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 to the end of the chapter talks about a man named Epaphroditus, and it uh, encourages us in a strong way to honor him, or honor people like him. He is a man to be highly regarded. So as we think of God giving us this passage, we, it leads us to evaluate ourselves. Would we be such a person that's regarded highly by God? And by his church. Let me read this portion of God's word to, to us. Philippians 2, beginning at verse 25. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he's been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him. And not only on him, but on me, also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Uh, God gives us interesting passage. He, there's just, you know, a couple handfuls of people in the Bible that God just pushes out in front of everybody else and says, hey, pay, take note of these folks. Uh, you need to be like them. And Epaphroditus is, is one of those folks. Uh, in the Old Testament, I was, as I'm reading through the Bible now, uh, I'm in the Old Testament, and it, I came across the, the life of Moses uh, Exodus chapter um, 11, verse 3, it, it mentions this about him, and I thought, you know, that's cool, and the people of God would have not uh, followed Moses had this not happened, and I think the same kind of thing's happening with Epaphroditus, but uh, Exodus 11, verse 3, it says, and the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. I've asked my elders to pray for that, for me, that I would have favor in your sight, because I can't be a leader if, if you don't have respect for the one who is leading you. And 
that's what happened with Moses. He's going to lead six million people out of Egypt. He's, he's not going to be able to do that if somehow the people don't respect his leadership. God says he gave Moses favor with the Egyptians, with the Egyptian servants, with the people of the Israelites. God did that. I mean, Moses has been out of town for 40 years. You know, he's having fun, getting married, having a few kids, and shows back up. We don't know this guy. But God blesses him with favor. And that favor changed the deal so that he could be a leader. Epaphroditus was one of those people we get in Philippians 2 that he had favor with the whole church of Philippians. They, they loved him. They respected him. They were willing to follow him. He wasn't the preacher or the teacher. He was just the ordinary member, minister. But God blessed him with favor. And I want us to think about how special that is, how we can have those traits, that treatment that Epaphroditus had, because God points it out for us. Especially verse 29, Philippians 2 verse 29 says, So receive him in the Lord with joy and honor him. Honor such men as him. God wants us to know his traits, and God wants us to treat him and people like him honorably. That's God's command to us. So I want us to look, first of all, at the honorable traits that Epaphroditus had, and then secondly, the honorable treatment uh, that he and others like him are to receive. First of all, just think about, would you be a man, woman, uh, son or daughter of honor? What would it take? Here's six traits. First of all, the trait of brotherliness. Verse 25, I hope therefore to send him just as soon Excuse me, I mean verse 23. Verse 25, I have thought it necessary to send to you, Epaphroditus, my brother. Brother is a, is a big concept in the scriptures. I think it's a, a great trait here among humans. When you have a good brother, not a bad brother, is obviously in the context of a good brother. Epaphroditus, my brother. Now, they weren't biologically related. But he's my brother in Christ. And there's a sense, there's a brotherliness in the scriptures that we are to emulate. Um, I could break that down into lots of things, but let's just keep it simple. A a good brother in Christ is somebody who's going to love God well and is going to love you well, right? Uh, That's a brother. He said we're in the same family. God's our father I'm going to love my father well, and I'm going to love his family well, which includes you. Let's look at a couple of verses on that. Look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, 11, 12. 1 John 3, just simple descriptions of the Christian life so that it uh, helps you distinguish the Christian from the non-Christian. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 says, By this it's evident... Who are the children of God? I mean, stop right there and just see. God doesn't. Uh, he doesn't make it difficult for us. By this, it's obvious. You can know. I don't know if this. I don't know if my brothers are Christian or non-Christian. God says, no, 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 no. It's obvious. Wake up. By this, it's evident. 
who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. This is not rocket science. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. A Christian is somebody who is under the law of God, wants to fulfill the law of God, wants to be like God. And one of the obvious fruits of that is a love for the family of God. You love the church. You love the brothers and sisters of Christ under God. He says, that's obvious. Epaphroditus was one of those. He, Epaphroditus, you see, he's one that he, he hears Paul preaching and teaching. I love this man. He's my brother. He loves his church. They're his brothers and sisters. And everybody got that about Epaphroditus. It was a trait he had, that he was following God the way God said to follow him. And one of those things was just a love for one another. I've started signing some of my uh, letters. Uh, David Roundtree, your brother, your pastor, your friend, your co-laborer. But brother, I didn't always have that in there. Your brother. I want to be brotherly. I want to be one that's known as somebody that you can count on to love you and care for you. Um, That's a trait Epaphroditus had. He was distinguished by it. We should as well. Um, Have we distinguished ourselves? You know, we don't just show up. But we distinguish ourselves as those, I'm going to support you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care for you. I want to know how you're doing. What's going on. Because, why? Because I love you. That's what brothers who love each other do. We, we keep up and we support. I have uh, several men in my life that I talk to every week. I keep up with them. They keep up with me. Why? Because we're brothers. We love one another. And, and you need to have those kind of relationships where you can easily say, well, that's my brother. That's not talking about a biological relationship. It's talking about our relationship in Christ. Our spiritual union through Christ for one another. Um, and what do we do when we're together? We seek to stimulate one another towards righteousness because that's evident. Brothers in Christ lived to be righteous and to encourage one another in that. Um, That's Epaphroditus. Second, he's a fellow worker, verse 25. Again, uh, he's my brother and my fellow worker. What kind of work? Look at verse 30. Gives us the answer. Um, For he nearly died for the work of Christ. The work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The Philippians were ministering to Paul, Epaphroditus. Paul had to get shipped off to prison. Epaphroditus said, I'll go check on him. Risking his life to continue loving Paul. Um, But just ordinary minister, member minister kind of stuff. And we'll see that more and more as we, as we, we see his testimony. That um, the work of Christ is it's not, again, it's not difficult. Look at Matthew 20, verse 26 through 28. Matthew 20. 
Here we have a description. Matthew 20, verse 26 says, It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to serve, be served, excuse me, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I just want you to serve one another. He says, that's what I came to do. I came to serve you. Serve one another. And I don't, when it says Epaphroditus is a fellow worker, yeah, it means he's not lazy. But what does it mean he's doing? It means he's looking at other people in the body of Christ. Paul was one of those. And he says, I want to serve you. I want to, what are you working on? I, I want to help you with that work. I want to help you minister. You, oh, you're ministering to Paul? And he kept seeing person after person ministering to Paul. I want to help you do that. I, I want to be one of those fellows that comes alongside you and ministers to the Apostle Paul. And Paul says, that was so cool just to see this man ministering to others. As I was meditating on this this week, it's a, I, I just started thinking, oh, man, the number of people. I need, I need to send, send an email. I need to send a text. I need to, to encourage people. I need to come alongside brothers and sisters in Christ. And I need to take time to do that. I, I need to be a fellow worker who is working the works of Christ in the body of Christ. That's what Epaphroditus is doing. When people have done that for me, hey, it's nice. It's nice. You get a text out of the blue, you get an email out of the blue, you get a phone call out of the blue, you get a letter, whatever. You say, oh, they were thinking of me? Wow. That's nice. It encourages you, doesn't it? Somebody wants to come alongside, be a fellow worker. I know you're struggling with this. I know you're working on this, whatever. I just want you to know I was thinking about you today and I'm praying for you. If there's anything that God needs me to do for you and, and, and you think I need to be that person, please let me know so I, I can do it. I, 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 I want to be more than brotherly. I want to be a fellow worker alongside you in the life that God has called us to. Um, that's what we do in church all the time on Sundays, right? When, when you're helping out in the nursery, covenant kids... Uh, helping out with any of our kids, you're coming alongside parents and say, I just want to help. I want to give you time to be in the service. I want to, or in a discipleship class, I want to be with your kids. And I want to help you. Raise them. I, I took vows at their baptism to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let me just help you do that. It's just an hour. And that's what you're doing. Thank you for doing that. That's a fellow worker. That's what we're talking about. And the same kind of thing happens throughout the week as you uh, have the, the saints around you. It's us loving one another and loving them well. It takes a little effort, but it's what we do. Uh, it's the love of our heart. Third thing it mentions about um, Epaphroditus, back in uh, Philippians 2, verse 25, says, you're my brother, my fellow worker, fellow soldier. When I hit that phrase, I thought, wow, that's not one... I hear very often. Do you? Uh, has, has anybody described you as a fellow soldier? 
If we're in the military, yes, we use that. But how about in the army of Christ? He's highly regarded because he's a fellow soldier of Christ. There's something to aspire to that maybe we kind of have relegated to a corner somewhere and we haven't thought about it in a while. Let me get you to think with me about what it would mean to be a fellow soldier of Christ. Look over at Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, before we get there, I mean, I've already read it. Verse 30 says, He was willing to risk his life. That's a soldier. Soldiers are willing, they sign up to risk their life for us, right? That's what they do. Epaphroditus was willing to risk his life to minister to Paul or to the Philippians. Now let's look at Ephesians 6 and verses 10 through 20. Here it describes the Christian life as um, those who are in armor, those who are soldiers. Let's begin at verse 10, Ephesians 6. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Think about that a minute. The devil is scheming. You and me are supposed to be soldiers in a war with him. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We're not fighting each other here. But we're against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places fought any battles this week against cosmic powers over this present darkness God says I, I, I need you to be at war there's a spiritual realm over us that's often neglected by us. And the devil's in that realm. And the devil seeks to have impact in our realm. And in order for us to have fruitfulness, we've got to do war with his realm. We've, we've got to be putting on, and he's going to get into it in this passage, we've got to put on the tools the armor to defeat the devil, and through Christ we can. It's, it's not a, a warfare that's, that's insurmountable. It's, it's not a warfare that we can't, or a battle we can't win. We are more than conquerors through Christ. But we've got to engage that warfare. He says, I want you to realize they're rulers there are forces, there's cosmic powers that are against spiritual forces. We've got to be engaged. Verse 13, therefore, take up. He says, so once you realize that, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. So first ingredient. You know, you stand. Stand firm. Don't be moved. And he says, you stand on what? On truth. You know the Word of God. 
One of the ways you fight as a soldier is to load up your gun with bullets, okay? Bible bullets. Put the truth under you. Stand on it. This is where I stand. There's going to be lots of people. I'm attacked every day asking me to move off God's truth. How about you? Every day, somebody, some site, some word, some message is asking me not to stand on God's truth. Join me in standing over here in something that's contrary to God's truth. God says, fight. Fight for a stand on my truth. Because Satan has a scheme to get you off. One way or the other, to the right or the left, to depart from God's truth. Second, he says, I want you to stand. I want you to fight. I want you to be a fellow soldier that not only has the breastplate of truth, but having that on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. So you got the belt of truth. you got the breastplate of righteousness. Again, you see how that's a characteristic of the people of God. We know the law of God, and the law of God is what's righteous. And we stay with it. We clothe ourselves in it. We let people know this is where we stand. This is how we live. Um, it goes on. And as shoes for your feet, having put on readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all the circumstances, take up the shield of faith. You just trust Jesus, trust Jesus, trust Jesus, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Wow. See, I told you you could win. It's just through faith. Faith in Christ. Satan comes against you. You say, Satan, I, I get what you're trying to do, but I trust Jesus. I'm on the other team, and my captain's already won, and I trust him, and I'm following. Satan said, well, let's see how much you trust him, you know, and he keeps trying to fight you. You have to say, no, 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 <laughs> I already told you. My shield is Jesus. I, I trust in him. Uh, and you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation. You say, I'm a saved. You put that helmet on. I, I'm a saved one. I'm, you can't throw down darts that are going to hit me where I can't see it coming. And the sword of the Spirit, which is, again, the Word of God. Verse 18. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me. The Apostle Paul said, man, I need prayer. Fight with me. Fight with me. And I think Epaphroditus got it. And Epaphroditus was then described as a fellow soldier. Hmm. The fact that we don't hear that. I mean, I, I hear from time to time, hey, brother. I don't hear from time to time, hey, soldier. Hey, warrior. So just, just evaluate. Are you neglecting to put on the armor of God and um, pray for one another? Pray for me. Pray for yourself. That, that we can fight the enemy and, and win over and over and over. It, it's a battle that's fun to fight because you win. You're victors in Christ. 
I don't like going up, an in, up against an enemy where I, I, I have a chance to lose. But it's not bad when you, you know you're going to be a, a conqueror, a victor. So get in, the, get in the battle. It's really cool to fight and win and win day after day. Well, Epaphroditus was obviously a man doing that. My brother, my fellow worker, oh, he's my soldier, a soldier. And then he goes on and gives us a fourth characteristic of Epaphroditus. He was a messenger and a minister. And your messenger and minister to my need. Epaphroditus was the Philippians' official representative. He represented the church to the Apostle Paul when Paul was in prison. Let me show it to you. Look at chapter 4 of Philippians. Chapter 4, and let's see, verse 16 through 18. Philippians 4, verse 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more, and I am well supplied, having received from who? From Epaphroditus, the gifts that you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Epaphroditus was the messenger. He was the minister, but he wasn't just giving Paul a message, hey, I bring you greetings from the church at Philippi. We want to encourage you. No, 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 he did more than that. He brought money. He brought gifts. Paul says, that was pretty wealthy. What you gave me, you lavished money and gifts upon me. He says, I don't want you to think that that was so good that, that I just want more of it. He says, that's not it. He says, I really got love out of that. I got family out of that. I was encouraged out of that. And just so you know, Epaphroditus didn't skim anything off the top. Epaphroditus gave me the full amount what you sent, he fully gave. And man, that's touching. That he could, he could have stole the whole amount. Nobody knew. He left Philippi. He could say, okay, I've got a beach vacation. You know, and enjoyed life. But instead, he goes into a prison cell in Rome and takes care of a prisoner named Paul. With whatever the gift was. And Paul says, that's a messenger. That's a minister that loved me well. And as a result, I want you to know I understand you love me well because you picked him. You picked a messenger minister who was faithful to you, faithful to me. Um, and it was good. Um, it reminded me so many times messengers and ministers are judged by the world, by people around us. I'm judged every week. You're judged every week. And we just need to remember that. Um, Paul says probably Epaphroditus was tempted in many ways. People probably encouraged him to take the money and run. Nobody's going to know. It's yours now. But he didn't do that. Um, 
when, when I say something here, online, whatever, I mean, I got an email this week saying, why'd, why'd you say that? Why'd you do that? It was from somebody out of town that was here visiting AU. And I didn't know who it was. I said, well, okay, well, I did this and said this because they said, ah, oh, that's interesting. But they made a judgment call. Just by seeing me once, by hearing me once, um, as to the context, the reference, and all of that. Same thing happens to you. Oh, you go to New Covenant Church? Oh, oh. I heard they were, they were just only Republicans over there. Huh. And we're judged for being Republican. When there's Democrats among us. And man, our nation needs Christians in both camps to fix this situation. Oh, I, I heard y'all were the, the homeschool group. Y'all got a homeschool group over there. Oh, no, no, no. That's the way you judged us, but we have public schoolers. And we've got private schoolers. And we've got homeschoolers. You're quick to judge us too quickly. Um, we're messengers and ministers of the whole body of Christ. Oh, I hear, I hear y'all... Y'all have a secure team. Y'all are the gun-toting Christians, right? You know, I've gotten that. Yep, we have guns, just so you know. And they have real bullets, yes. But we love one another. And the reason we have the guns is to protect, to be a safeguard for one another. And it's a ministry. We're not out to shoot up the world. But we can be judged so quickly. We want to be careful that our people judge us. Let's message. Let's minister to them in such a way that they get a true message. And get a true ministry from us to them. So just think about how you and I can be a true messenger and a true minister of Christ. It takes a lot of caution. And you can't fix everything. You're going to be misjudged a lot of times. Um, but let's, let's be like Epaphroditus, known for our message, our, our ministry to Christ. Fifth thing, characteristic you see about Epaphroditus, uh, verse 26, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Now, as I, as I wrestled with those two verses, I struggled for a long time in my life realizing that what this means, he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Do you get that? He, he is hurting. He's distressed because you heard he was ill. He's not distressed because you were ill. But you simply heard that he was ill. He has somehow become the focus of your attention. And you're praying for him. And you're hoping he would get well. And he said, man, I, I'm causing so much concern for the church. Lord, heal me. It bothers me that they're focusing on 
me. So I call this selfless love. Characteristic that God, that Paul highly regarded and God highly regarded in Epaphroditus is this selflessness. I don't want you to be focused on me. There's enough worries in your life. And I'm concerned for you. Um, it hit me when, when I was in college, the first time it just, just really hit me. I, um, my, my senior year in college, my lung collapsed by ambulance, went to the hospital, and three weeks in the hospital, another three weeks in recovery, finally getting back to school. You know, if, I don't remember the semester length, but if the semester's, let's say, 16 weeks, and you're out for eight of those, well, you just missed half a semester, right? And I am just thinking about me. I have spent my money. I do not want to go another semester. How do I get back, buckle down, finish these courses, and graduate on time? That was all I was thinking about. I walked back in campus, and I went to a school that had a regular chapel. So when I got back to campus, I walked into a chapel service. And there's 600-plus students or something in there. And when I walked down the aisle, I got like halfway, and people just started applauding. And the whole place went up in applause. I'm thinking, what's going on? It didn't even dawn on me that for those eight weeks, that body had been praying for me. And I was causing them distress. Because I was hurt. I was in the hospital. I was missing school. And they prayed week after week after week, multiple times through chapel, that I would be healed and brought back. And when I was, they weren't clapping really for me. They were clapping in praise to God. That God had took a brother in Christ and brought him back. But it... I just felt so selfish that I had spent that time not even thinking of them. They were thinking about me. See the difference? And that, that's where I think Epaphroditus is. He, he's the other way. He wasn't me. Epaphroditus was thinking about them when they were concerned for his welfare. He was a selfless lover of the church. And that's what I want to be more and more. It's not about me. It's about what are you going through? And how can I love you and care for you? Epaphroditus had that kind of selfless love. And then there's one more characteristic. Uh, number six, refreshing encouragement. Look at verse 28. And I am more and more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. If I can just get Epaphroditus back to you, I know you'll be encouraged. Because that's what Epaphroditus did. He was a refreshing encourager. I say he's encouraged me. He will encourage you. I just need to get him back. I'll be less anxious if I can get him back there. I won't worry about you because I know he will take care of you. And he'll tell me anything I need to know. That was Epaphroditus. He was a blessing to his church. I texted a brother and sister in Christ last week. 
I said, man, you've been gone a week. I can't wait till you're back. I want you to be home. I want to see you. You're my brother and sister in Christ. It's just, do you ever come to church on Sunday mornings and you say, oh, it's so good to be here. Because you're refreshed by certain brothers and sisters in Christ that are in the room. And, and God says, that's the way I want it to be. Look at Hebrews uh, chapter 10. You know this verse, 24 and 25, Hebrews 10. But God says, this is the way it needs to be. Hebrews 10. Verse 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. There was a day of destruction coming upon the church, and God says, Man, you need each other. Don't, don't miss an opportunity to see somebody walk down the hall. Or to see somebody walk in class. Or to see somebody walk into worship. Don't miss an opportunity. Because you need to encourage one another. Because there's tough times out there. The world's not safe for Christians. We need each other. And Epaphroditus was one of those kind of people. He was just an refreshing encouragement. You wanted to see him come in. He was going to encourage. Now, what does God tell us to do with all this? Look at verse 29. So, so the honorable treatment. So, receive him. You're supposed to receive Epaphroditus. Why? He's brotherly. He's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. He's a messenger. He's a minister. He's a selfless lover. He's a refreshing encouragement. So, receive him. With all joy and honor such men. Because he nearly died for this. Risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. It didn't just say honor Epaphroditus, did it? Circle the word such. Honor such. You need to be like that. I need to be like that. And then when we see people like that, we need to honor such people. This is God's command to us to honor the righteous, the brotherly, the fellow worker, the fellow soldier, the messenger, the minister, the selfless lover, the refreshing encourager. He wants us somehow to lift them up, to honor them. With both rejoicing, he does that. With respect, he says, with all joy. Receive them with rejoicing, with all joy, with all respect for what they're doing. Welcome them. There was an old adage that I learned as a kid. It said, uh, treat company like home folk, treat home folk like company. You ever heard that? What does it mean? Well, See, company, when company came, that's somebody you don't really know very well. They're company. And it seems like for some reason, we clean up the house for company. You don't clean it up for home folk. Ah, oh, they know us. I don't have to clean up. And so the adage was, why do you give the best part of your life? You clean up and do everything. You put on the dog. You know, you, you cook extra food. You do everything. 
for company. So we need, we need to get it the other way around. We need to lift up and honor and respect and feed and encourage home folk. They're our brothers. They're our fellow workers. They're our fellow soldiers. They're our encouragers. Let's treat them with honor and respect. That doesn't mean you don't treat company well. But it's like, don't neglect the best. The best are people like Epaphroditus. And God is saying, treat them well. Honor those people that are in our midst. Let's not neglect that. Let's treat them well. Now let me just kick this to one higher level, okay? You remember the story of Job? Look at it. Job 1, verse 8. I'm going to read it to you real quick. won't take long. Job is the book just before the book of Psalms. Middle of your Bible to the left, and you got it. Job chapter 1, verse 8. And the Lord said to Satan. All right, so we're entering into a discussion between God Almighty and Satan. Satan is a created being that's evil. Fallen from obedience to God. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? Ah, there's none like him on the earth. He's blameless. He's upright. Fears God. Turns away from evil. You see it again in chapter 2. Verse 3, And the Lord said to Satan, This is another day. You've been walking around on the earth? Hey, have you considered my servant Job? None like him. Not on the earth. Blameless. Upright. Fears God. Turns away from evil. Do you think you've ever been a heavenly discussion? Ever thought about it? Has God in heaven said, Hey, Satan... Have you ever considered New Covenant Church? You ever considered the saints here? Ah, there's nothing like them. They fear God. They keep God's commandments. They're brotherly. Such encouragers. Faithful. They're strong in the Lord. They are fighters, fellow soldiers. Have, have, have you noticed that they always win against you? Do you think we're ever a heavenly discussion? See, God had that discussion about Job. He had that discussion about Epaphroditus. This is somebody I honor in heaven. And I want you to honor him. And he had that discussion about Job. This is someone that turns me on. And I want you to consider him. We sometimes think that it's all about Jesus. Jesus saves our life. But then Jesus produces fruit through us. And God says, I'm proud of that. I want to see, I want to see the effects of Christ in your life. I want to see that you're a member, minister of the body of Christ. And I want to honor that. And he gives us honorable traits. 
And there is this spiritual realm that we get to dabble in. And that spiritual realm gets to dabble in us. And God says, you want to be on the right side. Are, are you someone that God honors or not? See, we want to be on the right side. That, that's, that's not a question. The question is, are we like Epaphroditus? Are we like Timothy earlier in the chapter? Or do we have no regard for what God cares about? God cares how we live, how we look, what we do. It matters. And it becomes part of the heavenly talk and discussion as they look down upon us. And it's not a fearful thing when we're in Christ. We trust Christ. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And He presents us before God without spot and without blemish. So it's not fearful where we're headed. It's just that I want to be pleasing to Him now. Um, going back, I started in Exodus. Let me go back to Exodus a minute. Exodus 33 even as we think of the Lord's Supper. But Exodus 33, what kind of favor do I want from God? Exodus 33, let's see. Um, verse 16 says, For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? How will it be known that I am favored by God? That's what I want to know. That's what Moses wanted to know. And the answer is, he says, Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? How do I know that I am honored by God? Moses says, I know what it is. I might not ever measure up to all the characteristics of honored people perfectly. Might not get some of them. But this is how I know I'm favored. This is how I know I'm honored. God is with me. And not only is he with me, he goes with me. Exodus 33, 16 was the prayer I prayed in 1988 when I came to Anderson to meet 47 people called New Covenant Church. And I said, God, you want me to leave country life? I love country. I could walk out my back door and hunt 200 acres of land. I could shoot quail right in the backyard. I had my own quail dogs. I mean, it's, that's the life of a country boy. And I said, God, you want me to leave this and go to Anderson? Do you realize, God, they don't even have a building. They don't have a church. They don't have property they can really call their own. I wouldn't even have an office to study in. I said, God, really? You want me to leave 
an established church building, church office, church manse, and go to Anderson to meet with 47 folks. And God made it clear to me, yep, that's what I want you to do. And I wrestled with that for a while. And then finally I told God, I said, okay, God, I will go without reluctance, but here's the deal. You have got to go with me. I can't go alone. I have got to have your favor. Or it's fruitless. Have you made it clear to God that you are going to be a vessel of honor? That he is someone, he's going to be someone who wants to be with you and go with you. To build up his church and his family. That's what I want. That's what Epaphroditus was. That's what Timothy was. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Brings us back to the brass tacks. To the the practical everyday living. We're not here by ourselves. We're not here unnoticed by heaven. So, Father, forgive us when we've lived that way. We repent. We turn from thinking it's about us for living this life as though it's just about us. Father, let us be more like Epaphroditus. Let us be men and women, boys and girls, with a driven mission to minister to you and for you. For your glory and honor. Thank you. And not neglect the calling that you've given us. And Lord we ask. That in all that we do. You would go with us. That we would be yours. You would be ours. And life. Would be of love. And of joy. In you. Father. Thank you. For the encouragement you bring us today. In Jesus name. Amen.